us pray. Lord, we are thankful for this time. May you be worshipped. May our minds be focused on thee, our hearts set on thee. Would you calm what is happening in our world so we might be able to hear from thee? It is in your beautiful name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I should have I known better. Uh, I, I'm, I've been raised in the Midwest my whole life. The Midwest is what I know. So snow ain't no thing for me. I'm used to snow. So I, I should have known that in a little bit of a snowstorm, when you got to run to the car to grab something, you don't throw on flip-flops. I should have I known you don't throw on flip-flops because when you throw on flip-flops and it's snow outside and it's that bed of ice, what's going to happen when a flip-flop touches some ice? Slipping and sliding all around the neighborhood. I'm running to the car to go grab something and I go to on that one foot with the flip-flop and y'all, my heart came out my body for a minute. You talk about fear. I didn't fall all the way down, but you know how you slip and then you feel like you're about to go all the way down, but you don't. But that's sometimes worse because you're scared. Like, did I get my balance? Am I good? It was scary. A great, a great fear kind of came over me. I've had that experience another time while, while riding in Midwestern streets and black ice seems to follow me somehow and I hit a patch and turned a little bit, then turned, and then the car straightened up and I was good. But for that quick second, your heart skips a beat. You feel out of control. You feel like you can't take over and, and have control over the situation. What you're experiencing is far beyond you and you feel great fear. Today as we celebrate this Christmas season and the Advent season coming to an end, we are going to look at the shepherds. Shepherds experience a great fear, but our Savior brings forth an even greater joy. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2 as we look at a great fear and a greater joy. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 21. Second chapter of Luke, we starting in verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. This was the first registration from Quirinius, uh, was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. We've got Caesar Augustus on the scene, and Caesar is considered a god. Why? Because every other week, your town would get ravaged, your town would get pillaged, people would come and steal your stuff, take your spouse, take your children, uproot the whole family, and disaster was happening, and then Caesar comes in. Caesar, with some other leaders, began conquering things, and then he becomes the only leader, and he brings forth peace, something called Pax Romana, where now you're not worried about the stability of your home. You're not worried about the stability of your community. You're like, man, this dude is a god. Look at the peace he's brought in. Everything is stable. 
and he's got peace, but he's also got power. And he wants to know how much people, how many land, how much money is under his rule. So he sets in motion a census. Y'all know the census we do every 10 years where they calculate and tally how many folks live where he runs a census. And that census is the, the, the movement or what leads our brother Joseph to begin heading back to the town of his family. But it's, it's, it's bigger than that. Because God is using all of this to work out his perfect story. How many of y'all have played uh, Jenga or chess? I don't really know too much about chess, but I'm mean on that Jenga, though. You know what I'm saying? And with, with, with each of those games, as the person that you're playing against plays, you make adjustments. You begin to make certain things take place. Well, the people of God have freedom to respond, to act, to behave, but God also has life ordained. He also tells us in Micah chapter 5 that Bethlehem, Bethlehem, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. We're getting back years ahead this prophecy that the one who's going to be the Messiah is coming out of Bethlehem. And God started using this dude who claims that he's a God. This guy who says no one's going to be a, a threat to my power starts using him in a way to bring forth Joseph now headed back to Bethlehem. It's a, a, a constant checking and a constant question of where does your peace reign? Where does your peace come from? This man is offering peace. The past few years, we've been getting a lot of so-called peace. I used to have my friends that are quite wealthy say to me, I don't really like Trump that much, but what he's done for me as it relates to taxes and his financial opportunities and benefits, he's been amazing. I have people that might be on the other end of the spectrum that are like, hey, Biden start helping send us checks. So what if I don't like some of the stuff he says? He's amazing. You see, some people will quantify what peace looks like based on what they get, what they receive, how much it benefits them, and that we will somehow define our peace based on what another person does for us. I love that Jesus comes and uproots all of that in the midst of this so-called so peace we see a movement take place where the lineage of David is now headed back to Bethlehem. Continue with me in verse 3. I mean, excuse me, verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end, no place for them in the end. There's this beautiful connection to our Christ and, and a heart of humility. 
I, uh, I love that you get uh, a, a family picture, but you also get a connection to something bigger. So the family picture you get is one of adoption. Uh, you guys have heard me tell this. Uh, you guys have heard me tell this story pretty often, but I, it's tough for me to remember a time when my f- stepdad was not in my life. And I say stepdad just to give you all clarity uh, between the two fathers that I have. I don't even view him as step. They're both my full fathers. But there's a tough for me to remember a time when my stepfather was not in my life. Uh, I think he came in when I was about five or six. Um, But there was a time when uh, I struggled with my biological father's connection. And he is one of my best friends now who I could talk to about everything. But there was a time when I was ready to go to my stepfather and say, Dad, I want to change my name. I want my name to be your name. Because I want it official that this relationship is 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 what it is and it needs to be that on the books i want all to be able to to see that i'm your son you see the 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 bible story here is one where joseph has not physically contributed to the creation of jesus but this angel comes to him and says you're going to be the one to do the naming The name you're going to give him is Jesus. Why? Because Joseph is seen as the father just as any other father who was called to name their son. If you look back at Matthew chapter one, you'll see the angel says you shall bear. She will bear a son. And you saying to Joseph shall call his name Jesus. So you get this beautiful image, this beautiful picture of of Jesus coming into a loving family where he has a fully human father being Joseph, but a fully godly father that sent the Holy Spirit to, to, to impregnate Mary. But notice the circumstances. Notice some circumstances of Mary, of Joseph, of where this birth takes place. It says that he was born in a palace. It says that he was born with gold walls and, and, and a baby rock or a baby stroller made out of diamonds rolling on them. Di- you know, like he was in the nicest of nice. No. It's, it, it, it's said that this may have been almost like an indoor farm, a house that used to have animals coming in and out of it. And maybe there was a, a room upstairs, and, but you could go right downstairs and feed the animals. And just like, you know, back in the day when, when families used to struggle and, you know, times was tough and every bed was taken and sometimes you just pulled out that dresser, you put a nice blanket in the dresser and the baby slept in the dresser. It is what it is. You may do with what you had and you and you didn't complain. And you see here. A trough being used. No room at the hotel, no room at the end. The space that's made available for them is a a, a trough. I love that because it keeps with the the humble posture that was communicated earlier on 
that God comes to the humble. That he takes us all, whether you are humble in spirit or humble in finances, one way or another, you're going to be humble. And Christ breaks into our world in this humility, modeling for us the posture that we are to have as his children. No room at the end. They swallowed him, wrapped him up, got him prepared. Continue with me in verse 8. So in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. You've got these shepherds that continue connecting with that story of humility. These shepherds were not known as the shepherd that you would think of today as we think of pastors and we think of leaders. No, shepherds back then were, were viewed kind of, you looked down on them. You saw them as outcasts. You considered them sinners because they roamed around pretty often following their sheep, continuing to take care and protect their sheep. But people would consider them scoundrels. You know, they're walking past the garden, they're grabbing a couple of apples. Shepherds were, were considered the dirty because they weren't just sitting at a home in a palace somewhere. They always found themselves out in the field. And it is among these shepherds, these men that you would consider outcasts, that are, that, that are going through their regular lives. And I, I, I love that this happens because it, it cautions us to be ready for when God's going to show up because you never know when it'll happen. They're doing their normal shepherding tasks, their normal rhythm of caring for sheep out in the field, pitch black at night ready to protect against lions, ready to protect against all types of beasts that would want to take care of their sheep. And then what happens in verse 9? An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of the Lord. Can you imagine what, what happens to your eyes when you're in a, a pitch black room and a light comes on? Imagine being out in the dark night, and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord shines around you fills up the sky and they were filled with great fear it's kind of uh, expected it's pretty normal that that you and I in the midst of going through our normal everyday task get hit with something miraculous and we would fall to our knees we would cry we would freeze. How do you respond when great fear hits you? Do you run? Are you paralyzed? Do you scream? Great fear eliminates all rational thoughts. When you are scared, sometimes you do stuff that, you know, why did you start biting me? I don't know. I was scared. When fear really takes you over, you need a word. You need something that will calm you and get you back in your right mind. And the angel says to them, fear not, verse 10, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. This entire season is good news of great joy. 
and I'm trying not to keep y'all late. I'm going to hit you with a few reasons why it is great joy. Reason number one continues in that sentence, because it will be for all people. Reason number one, that this Savior, this, this one who is coming to transform the whole world is not just for a small select few. Don't get me wrong, in this text, the people are the people of God, but always the people of God are saved and redeemed to reach the world. And so if fear has the temptation to grip and take us over, we have great joy in knowing that God's salvation is for all, from shepherd to sheik, from king to the lowliest from the prideful who get broken down to the humble. His gospel is for all people. I remember seeing folks, seeing folks, and I've been blessed to do a number of weddings and talk to people, and, and uh, you'll talk to somebody as they're getting ready and getting closer to their marriage day, and they get, they get nervous, and they're considering this, like, oh, Wait, like start getting those cold feet. And oftentimes cold feet is not like because they're questioning, is it the right person? It's just a, a big decision that they're making. And we don't oftentimes make decisions that are lifelong. But when you refocus a person, not on what you might miss out, not on, you know, how the wedding's going to go and are the suits in and all that. When you refocus a person, on the joy of being able to thrive in Christ, then a person says, yeah, I'm sure. Let's go. Like, let's rock. Let's do this. Like, the focus on the joy removes all fear. So first, it's a great joy because it's for all people. Second, in verse 11, it says, for unto you this day born, for unto you this day, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So you got born this day in the city of David. How many of y'all have uh, caught the bus before or caught a train or ever, ever had to catch a bus? So you, 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 you should get out there, and we, did, we actually did a little series kind of trying to talk about Advent before. You get out there on the bus, and, and what's really important about a bus is not just what time it comes, because that's important. You need to know what time it comes so you can get out there, so you can be ready. But what's important about a bus is that you read the title to make sure you know which, which, which bus it is. Because, see, all buses don't lead to the same place. You got to look at the Look at the title. You see, the city of David is, is, is a sign that's being told to the people of God that have been waiting in long anticipation, who've been longing, who've been standing out, feeling like every single opportunity has passed them by, passed them by, passed them by. And now they hear city of David and they say, oh, that's us. It's coming. The Messiah will be coming from this lineage. We've been looking, we've been waiting, we've been longing. And now you're saying today it's here. Today this Savior is here. He is Christ the Lord. 
There's a joy that takes place when you know that it's for all people, that, that now this form of salvation is coming, and he is coming in the form of Jesus Christ. Christ being Messiah, that term Savior being one, where you know you're being saved from peril. Your people are, have the opportunity to be redeemed. It's funny that some people used to think like, man, we hear that name, Jesus Christ. Christ is his last name, huh? Well, see, when you think of the term Messiah, Jesus and Messiah, that term was used so often with his name that it just became Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Savior, Jesus our Messiah. He's the Christ, the Lord. Look at verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You hear his name, you hear that Messiah so often. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. So now you have a competing community of peace. Now you have angels celebrating this God as the one who is our peace. Peace will be among those with whom he is pleased. And now the question you got to wrestle with every Christmas, the question we have to wrestle with is, in whom will we place our peace? These people, as they were reading these scriptures, were saying, man, is, is Caesar going to be who we place our peace in? Or will it be this Messiah? Is Trump or Biden or Barack or who's, who are you going to place your peace in? Is it your job? Is it your family? Who are we placing our peace in or is it Christ? Every Christmas, we get to retell the story of his birth, a new ushering in of peace. And then it's like, we focusing on gifts. And it's like, no, we focusing on meatloaf, cornbread. We focusing on so much stuff, but we don't even pause to say, no, Lord, who is, where is, what do we root our peace in? It's in your birth. Continue with me. Verse 15. Oh, excuse me. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They said, all right, the angels came. This was crazy. Now let us go check it out. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. If you had it all on the line, who would you pick to tell your story? If you had the opportunity and you knew that getting your story out was life or death situation, who would you choose? 
Me, I'm choosing somebody with the most social media likes in the world. Beyonce, I need a favor. I need a favor right quick, B. You know, get the hive, the beehive, whatever y'all call it. Get them together. Look, you, you're going to pick the most influential. You're going to pick the most powerful. You're going to pick the most, the one that has the most potential. You're going to pick shepherds. You're going to pick outcasts. You're going to pick people who seem dirty and nasty. You're going to pick people who look like the bottom of the economy. I love that not only do they get overwhelmed by this fear, but then they get fired up with a joy because this Christ was real. He was for all people. He was the Messiah, the Savior, and then they go out and share it. They made known the saying that had been told them because they got a chance to witness prophecy in a second. Heard an angel talk about it, then they got to go witness it. Sometimes proof is all you need and then it's on. It didn't say they went and got a degree. It didn't say they went and studied more. It didn't say they went and told everybody what they experienced and that was enough. That was enough. To bring people into peace. That was enough for folks to hear the good news. That was enough for the euangelion, the good news of Jesus Christ to be shared. Is reading these pages enough for us? Is seeing these words, this story enough for us? Do you need more to believe in this beautiful picture of our Savior entering our world? Verse 18 through 21 says this, and all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. It tells you the shepherds was out blabbing their mouth, getting the word out. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus. Yet another prophecy fulfilled. Jesus, this Savior, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, Jesus coming from the lineage of David, being a part of the story that kept saying, look out for him, look out for him, look out for him. And today he has come. Family, we are grateful that we get to retell this story but more importantly we want you to consider where your peace lies where is your peace every christmas we get a chance to be reminded that it's not in our government it's not in our wallets it's not in you name it it's in christ and christ alone will you pray with me Jesus, help us. Yes, we have real needs. Yes, we want stability. Yes, we want to have our families and our lives be whole. But Lord, your peace is different. It's not just no war. It's not just no drama. It's actually all health operating in unison. It's actually everything working in a beautiful harmony for good, for your good and our good.
So, Lord, we ask that you allow us to experience your peace. But we get that because of a great joy we've been able to experience, Lord. The joy of the gospel. The joy of you coming into our reality so that we need have no fear. That we need not feel overtaken by any fear. Because your joy is what stabilizes us and gives us courage, gives us stability, gives us peace. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful for you. Help us to experience peace. I confess myself of, of running so much these past days and the need to make space to experience your peace. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.